Turbo Alpert and Timon Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. Substituting for Dave Cameron, who was off this week, is the senior editor at Fangraphs. His name is Jeff Sullivan. And what follows, not unlike what we ask of Dave Cameron every week, Jeff Sullivan attempts uh, endeavors to analyze all baseball of particular note. This week, the San Diego Padres' pursuit of every player that is of some interest in particular is uh, their pursuit of right-handed outfielders Justin Upton and Will Myers. The Pittsburgh Pirates, Jeff Sullivan tells us, have won the bidding. They have submitted the highest posting fee, the highest bid for Korean shortstop Jung Ho Kong. Jung Ho Kong, perhaps uh, pronounced something like Jung Ho Kong. And yet simultaneous to that, they appear to have uh, a number of starting infielders. What is the significance of that? Jeff Sullivan discusses that. Also, uh, the thing we discussed first, the extension. The, the the Twins extend Phil Hughes. They extend Phil Hughes. Is it, at its uh, most basic level, a smart deal uh, for Hughes, for the Twins, etc.? Also, Jeff Sullivan, with regard to Hughes' success, provides this uh, succinct but no doubt accurate explanation. Everyone always says, well, you can't just put, throw the ball down the middle all the time because hitters are going to catch on, they're going to hit it. And Hughes was like, well, I'm going to do some science then. This team isn't very good. This Fangraphs audio features Jeff Sullivan. And it begins right now. I'm closing a window. Okay. Wait, a real window or a computer window? A real window. Okay. Wow. Now, now a, a computer window. Okay. Yeah. How are you? Good. I, it's good. You're living in the real world and also the virtual one. Both. Yep. Yeah, multitasking. Uh, have you surfed the information superhighway today? No. <laughs> no, no I've never surfed. Have you surfed? No. I haven't. But uh, I would say that given our places of birth, it's uh, much more surprising that you've never surfed than I have. Never. Well, I boogie boarded once, but that well, I guess multiple times, but then it tried to kill me, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, die uh, from it. You're a person who's uh, who's from San Diego. You've never surfed before. Yes. I'm a person who is from New Hampshire. I've never played hockey before. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder which one has a higher. I don't want to say activation energy, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with activation energy. Okay. Which one is? I guess hockey. Like when you're young, you could. Did you have skates growing up? No, I, I actually didn't. I never uh, – maybe – yeah, maybe like one pair along the way through my childhood, but I never really learned how to skate. So. Uh-huh. But I know that you like hockey quite a bit. Yeah, I'm going to watch some of it uh, soon. Okay, wait. Where? Where are you going to – in Portland? On the information super high. Yeah, oh, on I my see. computer. All right. Not interesting. <clears throat> um, are you familiar with PDO? Uh, is it that that is a hockey statistic? It is, yeah. Yeah, no, I I am uh, aware of it, but I actually I try to keep myself distanced from hockey statistics. I, uh, in so many words, I don't want to ruin it the way that I have baseball for myself. Right, right, okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Well, it's sort of opening. Um, you open it once you are aware of it. It's hard. It's hard to deny it. I think is is that what you're getting at? I uh, I'm aware of what seems to be a blossoming hockey statistics movement. And it's very interesting, and I'm sure from a fan's perspective, especially among those who might like hockey and also read fan graphs, I think it's it's uh, illuminating mm-hmm. and exciting. There's a bunch of like bloggers getting hired by teams. They're kind of doing what baseball did 10 or 15 years ago, where they, they have this 
sort of revolution uh, going on. There's a lot of analysis to be done, but I think with baseball, what's happened for me personally is this being my job to analyze it all the time. Uh, it takes a lot of the passion and the emotion out of the game, and I still want a sport that feels like a sport as opposed to a science. Right. But so that's where hockey fits in. No, wait a second. I would have to think that there's a place – you would have to believe that there's a place in between where you could become interested in um, this – what might be called analytics, uh, mm-hmm. quantitative analysis of the sport, but not necessarily it's your job. There must – there's some – I mean, for many, most people, that's the area that, in which they're living or most people who are listening to our voices right now. Yeah, no, I agree, but I know enough about myself to know I see where I went with baseball, and once I kind of opened the door, then I'm just naturally curious enough to want to know more and more and more, and all of a sudden I find out the best player on my favorite team is actually bad. You're right. Naturally curious enough, and also uh, apparently uh, unemployable in other industries. <laughs> That's a big one. That's a big one. There are other industries that have not even uh, rejected me with words. They've just quietly said, no, we don't want to hire you. Yeah, it's, it's, just, gonna keep... just, it's just implied. Yeah, I applied to a brewery job once a couple of years ago, and I thought, well, this I think I want to break. I would like to work for a brewery. Mm-hmm. I think with a background in chemistry, that would be of a certain appeal. Yeah, sure. And You're what right it was, there. yeah, to them, uh, I maybe I sent it to the wrong place. I did not hear back from anybody. Okay, but who you, wants to work for Widmer? You know, did you send it that. to beer.com? <laughs> is there a beer? There must be a beer.com. Sure, of course there is. What is that beer.com? I'll tell you what's a beer.com. Yeah. You probably have to be 21 to enter. It's a domain for sale. Yeah. Well, there it is. You found out what's at beer.com. Hey, so much has happened over the last week. Yeah. Well, uh, we talked on what? Wednesday? Tuesday? Yeah, last Tuesday Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. Did we talk about baseball last week? Well, let's see. What's happened since then? Phil Hughes signed uh, years away from now, and uh, and Jung Ho Gong signed, or didn't sign, but... Now might sign for the team. That happened. Those things happen today. Let's uh, listen so that I might be a better host, and mm-hmm. also uh, because I am bad at my job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not necessarily learned a lot about the Phil Hughes deal. Uh huh. So could you say it to me? Phil Hughes. <laughs> so uh, you might remember that a year ago he signed with the Twins for three years and to twenty-four million dollars. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, that sounds good. And it was not shocking insofar as Phil Hughes' resume to up to that point uh, looked a lot like other pitchers the Twins had employed, which is to say he did not walk very many people. He had uh, well, that was it. <laughs> and he, and he did not walk many people, <laughs> and, he, and he probably hadn't struck many people out at least of late. Yeah, yeah. So he signed on as, as you could think of it as sort of a reclamation project, and really three years and twenty-four million. It feels big because we are bloggers on the internet, but it really it is not that much money, and they were paying Hughes to be kind of like a little better than like a one-win pitcher. How, how much? Did, was, uh, wait, sorry to interrupt. How much yeah. did they give? Did they give Ricky Nolasco? Because that was the same. Nolasco, that was what four years, forty-nine million. Okay, so a like larger investment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, twice the money, and Hughes one more year, and Nolasco was a, just a disaster. Uh, Disasco, Ricky Disasco. There we go. <laughs> but sim- uh, but a so, similar profile. That's not shock. That's not very controversial thing to say, is it? Similar profile. I think Nolasco. Nolasco is like one of those guys, like Edwin Jackson and uh, and somebody else, where they always had like pretty good peripherals, and then something went wrong, like uh, in the in the mystery box between in between peripherals and runs. Several years of Aaron Harang, I believe that was also. Several the years of Aaron Harang, yeah, and then Harang did the opposite last year, I think. Right, but yeah. 
So yeah, so they signed Nolasco on a on a shot. They were trying to rebuild the rotation, and they wound up the rotation that was almost exactly as bad as it was the year before, but with one new Phil Hughes, and so they have rewarded him now with three more years and $42 million more, which sounds like very little for a player who was just very good, uh, the difference being that those three years kick in in two more years because he still has two years on the old deal. Right. So it's an extension many years off for a team that where a contention might be many years off. What is the okay <clears throat> uh, with regard to contracts which or extensions which begin years away? Yeah. All right. So immediately, as a uh, just as a person who has had a job before, I would not <laughs> I, I would not respect an employer who gave me a, an extension that started in a couple of years. Uh-huh. I would. I wouldn't. Another question of respect. I would assume they were making a poor decision. Uh-huh. Um, even I mean, if they were giving the money to me, I would appreciate it. But are you can, considering that they would be giving the money to you, and that is informing your idea of it being a poor decision? <laughs> yeah, that's right, right, right. Yeah. This is a. They are a club, and they've elected to have someone like me as a member, not just presently, but in the future as well. Yeah, it speaks yeah. poorly to the future plans of the club. But but people uh, players get injured. I think that I mean I think Ryan Howard. For example, he is a, he's an example that sticks out to me as a player that had an extension which started years down the road. And, I mean, he I think, didn't he uh, badly injure his Achilles? Yeah, literally the last thing he did before the extension started was mm-hmm. he crumpled into a heap on the field as the Phillies lost a playoff series that they should not have lost. Right. So, yeah. so that looks uh, – so that's bad. But what is the – okay. First of all, with regard to Phil Hughes – what about Phil Hughes changed uh, besides his his uh, the team for which he was playing in the in the park in which he was playing? Well, okay, so you know baseball has strikes and balls, right? You know, okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, so Phil Hughes was like, well, I'm not going to do one of those. Okay, so he he decided I'm just going to do strikes, and I'm going to see. Like everyone always says, well, you can't just put throw the ball down the middle all the time because hitters are going to catch on. They're going to hit it. And Hughes was like, well, I'm going to do some science. Then this team isn't very good, so I'm going to I'm just yeah, going to put yeah. everything down the He's middle. He's conducting an experiment. Yeah, yeah. So he was doing that. That's what the tw- Twins are for. They're a laboratory in the in American League Central, and he he uh, had one of the biggest. So we only have like seven years of good zone rate data. Uh-huh. You know, pitch of X. So he had one of the biggest zone rate increases that we have on record. He had one of the biggest strike rate increases we have on record. He was already a strike thrower and a zone thrower. So, uh, league he, average he for, it up. Sorry, league average for starters for strike rate, I believe, is usually 62, 63%. It's around there, and Hughes came in at like 72 or that, 71 which is, or 70 is like two standard deviations. Yeah, it's um, absurd. Yeah. He was like August uh Fagerstrom, mm-hmm. I struggle with that one. Not too long ago, he compared him to Cliff Lee. And we all have a lot of fun comparing pitchers to Cliff Lee. David Price got the Cliff Lee treatment for me some time back. But mm-hmm. Hughes basically became like fastball cutter. He made his curveball better. I understand when he was with the Yankees, he had this reputation of constantly tweaking something. So you would always think he's like on the verge of something, and then something would go, would go wrong. Right. But he says... Uh, and he said this to Eno in an article that Eno posted on Fangraphs.com. He talked to, this guy talked to Eno Saris. This guy talked to Eno Saris. <laughs> yes. I don't know if he knew that he was Eno Saris. He might have thought that he was Rhett Bollinger. Yeah. Uh, so maybe he had glasses on. Maybe he has pupils dilated. But he talked to Eno, and he said that he was throwing his curveball harder than ever. He liked it. He certainly threw it more. So four-seam cutter, curveball, and he, uh, with the aid not of a good pitch framer, but of Kurt Suzuki, Phil Hughes, decided he did not want to throw balls, and that is how he walked 15 batters unintentionally in 32 starts. Is this, I feel like the, 
someone named John who pitched for the Phillies and also the Yankees uh, for a while uh, through only strikes. Uh, actually, John, John Lieber? John Lieber, yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I would assume a pr- probably slightly different situation, but Kurt Schilling I think hardly ever walked people for a while. Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of like? I mean, what what is the sort of this class of pitcher? What are the what are the outcomes of pitchers who decide never to throw balls? Uh, strikes. Okay, sure. Those, are the, but <laughs> yes, uh, uh, it strikes, and sometimes they have like strikeout stuff, and sometimes they're Carlos Silva. So sometimes they're trying to get ground balls, and sometimes they're just trying to always keep the batter on the defensive. And I think that's sort of what Hughes does. I don't think he has like Cliff Lee's command because Lee. Uh, at least the last version of Lee that we saw, because he was exceptional. Lee can just pepper the zone and get like a strikeout in inning or something. And Hughes is more, he's a little more control than command, but he still has good command. Like his cutter was really good last year and his, his curveball was better. And so you're just looking at a lot of what you're almost putting hitters in so many two strike counts that strikeouts just kind of happen, mm-hmm. even if you're not trying, because he has enough pitches. Like he's putting the cutter over one side of the plate, the four-seamer on the other one, that's confusing. And then you, when you throw in a good curveball that's around the bottom of the zone or a little below it, that's just a different velocity range hitters have to worry about. And strikeouts just happen. Like, he, Hughes is not a a strikeout pitcher, but he starts to look like one because he's always in strikeout counts. So what is the, so what are the big, zo- like, what, what are the, what is the average zone rate these days? Or roughly? I, I'm just going to guess it's like 49 or 50. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, and Hughes last year was at sixty-one. Sixty-one is so high, and in fact, I'm it's looking super at, high. Yeah, I'm lo- so it's I'm like lo- high to the highest we have on record. I'm looking at so, well, you said dependable. Uh, uh, at least the BIS zone rates go up to for John Lieber go up to the the 60s earlier in his career, but it does seem as though the league average changes a lot there. So I don't want to. Mm-hmm. You have to probably look at it with regard to especially those early figures with regard yeah. to the zone the, the league average. Well, so I'm looking at Stat Corner, which is Matthew Caruso's pet project, and sure. he makes it pretty easy. And uh, he has this is all based on pitch effects. And last year, he used his own rate was 60%, and the league average was 49. That's for AL starting pitchers. Okay. Okay. So uh, here's a question that um, anyone would ask, a person could ask, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I've been elected. Well, not even elected. I've appointed myself to ask it. Is uh, is the deal? Is the deal? Jeff Sullivan, well, we know, it's probably a good one for Phil Hughes, mm-hmm. right? It's probably a good one for him. Yeah, um, he, he probably would not have said yes if it weren't. Yeah. the uh, Is it a good deal for the Twins? I think it's not a bad deal. I think it's going to be uh, a very modest amount of money. There's the risk that's there, and when something I just sort of stumbled upon when I was finishing the article I wrote about it is that Hughes is a lot like Scott Baker, who you remember as being an effective this kind of pitcher for the Twins a few for years Twins, ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Baker was good through similar years, and then all of a sudden he had Tommy John surgery, and he's been crap for three years. So and it should you never be noted, know. right? It should be noted that with re- uh, with regard to Tommy, now I, I have no idea what Scott Baker's velocities have been like since he's come back, but Tommy John usually f's with command more than it does velocity. That is at least the reputation. I don't know how it bears out, but I think it. Like more let's, recently, let's declare it a truth. <laughs> let's declare it a truth <laughs> for the sake so of So Baker ease. has come back and he's thrown like he used to throw uh, ninety-one and now he's throwing about eighty-nine. Uh, right, but well, he's good. also just gotten older and he's just gotten worse. So there's that. Uh, but sometimes pitchers like this stick around. I mean, you look at Bartolo Colon, who's kind of like Hughes, except instead of fastball, cutter, curveball, he's just like, well, let's get rid of the curveball <laughs> also. 
Let's just do the, the straight pictures in the zone. It is, it is actually it, for for a person who, uh, when you look at him, you do not think that necessarily that he is one who is, uh, who's who's defined as uh, by his sophistication and elegance. Mm-hmm. But he has, uh, it's he has. I think uh, he is conducting an experiment and it's working, right? Uh-huh. Where he says, uh, "Yeah, let's throw a fastball every time." <laughs> and if they, and I mean, we'll see if it works. And, it, and is, it has worked. And that's just how bad the National League is these days. But Bartolo Colon does that, and and Phil Hughes does that. And yeah, I would say that the the perception of Colon, or at least how one would perceive him, one were one not already familiar with him, mm-hmm. does not match uh, what he does. Not unlike, I guess, Juan Uribe or Pablo Sandoval playing good defense, right? Or or Yasmani Grandal being uh, a good at anything. Really, uh, Kyle and McDaniel, when we're discussing prospect, prospects, will sometimes cite a thing. I believe it's called the black sheep, something. The black sheep theory. It might be black sheep theory. Yeah. Um, this guy loves sheep. I, uh-huh. I don't know if you yeah. met Kylie. He will it not was stop actually, talking. It was one of the first things I gleaned before he even said a word. I thought that right there. This guy. This guy. guy. He has a shepherd-like qualities. In this in this lobby full of room, if I had to pick one person to really like sheep, yeah, it's Colin McDaniel. Well, choose the guy who. Why is he carrying a staff? That's why you're wondering. Yeah, but uh, he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a curled staff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> he, so uh, the black sheep theory. Well, he says if a guy's really good, and simultaneously that he's doing something weird, like his method is weird, his me the means by which he does things very well is weird, mm-hmm. then the chances that he'll continue doing it. Uh, are high, I think is his point. I think okay. that's his point. I also could be distorting it pretty. pretty I seriously. feel like it's possible that you are right, or the opposite of that is right. <laughs> well, let's pretend this is right. Phil Hughes okay. or Bartolo Colon, Phil Hughes, they do a weird thing. Yes. And they've had su- success with it. Yes. And so I think, um, at least this version of Kylie that I have that I have presented you with, uh. They, that would uh, his theory that I with which I presented you. They, he would say, "Yeah, yeah." Well, then he'll probably keep doing it. Uh, yeah, I think he. Uh, I'm going to guess that what Phil Hughes just did was sort of the. I don't know if this is the right usage. The apotheosis of this sort of approach yeah. uh, for him. I he's probably not going to. I just so he threw 73 percent strikes, which is stupid, absurd, and yeah. I I don't think he's going to do that again. But. I think if he he can kind of do the Scott Baker thing, and then Scott Baker was throwing about 67, 68% strikes. And when he was healthy, so pre-having his body cut open by a man, he was a very good pitcher. And so I think he was, certainly does not have to be as good as he was last year to be worth this money. And it makes more sense to the Twins they have this money committed down the road because that's when they're supposed to be a good team instead of the yeah. the experiment we've discussed. Let me tell you, I don't think it matters by whom you've had your body cut open. Whether it's uh-huh. man or beast or any animate thing or especially inanimate thing, I think it's all bad for you. I think your best case scenario is ma- is man. Yeah. I think if you no, get absolutely. Cut open by, of all the things. And when, and when I say man, I mean a I mean a human person. I'm mm-hmm. I think like yeah, if an animal cuts your body open, that's a lot worse. Yeah. Because you rarely do hear about like a a bear surgeon. Yeah. Or if there is a bear surgeon, that is a human person who who uh, performs surgery onto bears. 
Or it's, not, it's, a, it's a human surgeon who has no regard for cleanliness in a sterile operation room. Right, right. Or it could be, uh, if we're accepting all sorts, uh, it could be a um, a hirsute gay man, a large hirsute ab- gay man. That's uh, absolutely who, possible. Who um, is also is also a surgeon, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. fine too. I think, yeah. And with with men, vis a vis all other uh, vessels that may <laughs> open. Uh, op- open your body to the world. I think that with man, there generally is there's there's two intents. Well, there's mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Well, no, the absence of intent is not intent. So there's good intent and there's bad intent. But no, no other thing, no rock, no animal, no bird with talons is ever has positive intent when when opening your oh, your right, skin. Right, that's a good point. Right, right. right. But, a man could a man or a woman could be like, oh, you have a thing in you. Let's get it out. It's a it's yes. a you have an alien body inside of you. Yeah, so they say the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but that does not mean that all good intentions go awry. It just is provided that some but the road to uh, hell not. I think the road to hell is paved. First of all, wait, how are we? How are we? What are we doing to these good intentions that they make sufficient pavement? You know, I think okay. So are they I've being heated on enough, you know, forest roads through Oregon, like getting lost in the woods yeah. in rainy conditions with giant potholes. Like I've been on enough of those to figure the road to hell is unpaved and it's a potholey, muddy road through the forest, uh, and you can't turn around right. because there's no shoulder. Right. So you're like, uh, maybe if I keep going, I'll get somewhere that isn't. He- no, no, it's still hell. Mm-hmm. Hell is being stuck on a, a potholed forest road, mm-hmm. and it smells like the city Damp. of Tillamook. Oh yeah, it smells like any city that's not Portland, roughly. One time, <laughs> one time, my wife and I we went out to the coast thinking, because you know uh, I'm from the New England area. And when you go yes. to the coast, that's a it, it could be a lot of traffic, but generally it's a you go there you go there on purpose for your for pleasure. Yes, we went to we tried to find a a charming coastal town, but what we actually found was a frightening place. Where dogs? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, we were, we made a big mistake. We turned uh-huh. around. Yeah. Let's talk about dogs? okay. Uh, frightening dogs. Feral, yes. feral frightening. dogs. Yeah. Getting ready. Getting ready. No. Okay. Fitting. Oh, the new one. Yeah. Let's do ah. the new one. Jung Ho Kong. Is that right? Is that right? You think? I think it's Jung Ho Gong. Okay. Is what I've heard. Yeah. But let's. Yeah. Let, well, let's first just say that uh, we are Americans who speak English. Mm-hmm. And that uh, neither of us knows anything about, uh, or uh, I don't think either of us has a great deal of expertise in the Korean language. We will be anglicizing it because that's um, at least we can. It will be uniform. Yeah, all of those things are true. Yeah. So uh, he is either well. So this year he was what the best position position player hitter. He was the best hitter in the KBO Korean yeah. baseball organization. Yeah, I mean by the by the numbers that we have. Uh, he was, but like OPS, yeah, he was stupid good. He was almost 1,200. Right. Um, but, of course, at the level the level of talent in the KBO is different. And I think you point this out with Eric Thames. I believe he actually goes by Thames, which is aggravating. But, yes, yeah. yeah, right. That's right. I, I spent, I, listen, I didn't learn about a river in England to mispronounce it, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, you didn't. didn't. You didn't do that. But have you but, ever heard? Have you ever heard Eric Thames speak? No. You would be surprised. Is it? But which part of it? 
Well, I don't want to buy it. I just want you to, when this podcast is over, I would like you to look up some okay. clips and just listen to him speak. What, does he like not use verbs? What did I just say? Okay. I'm just saying that I would be surprised if someone not used verbs. No, it, it's not like that. It's not it's okay. his voice. It's his voice. There. Now you're uh, ruined. Uh, now you already have an idea of what he's going to sound like. Uh, I don't great. really, but but um, Eric, whatever. Tem- Eric Thames was – well, we're calling him Thames. Okay, whatever. <clears throat> we're actually going to mispronounce his name more than we're going to pr- mispronounce <laughs> Jung Ho Kong's. Well, you know to- what? He probably mispronounces his own name. That's true. He, um, Eric Thames did not uh, – was not necessarily a great – Hitter in the majors, he was roughly league average. Yeah, yeah, he had a 96 WRC plus over okay. several hundred plate appearances. That is roughly league average, and he, uh, and but he was also a corner outfielder. Yes, a bad one, a very bad one. And so, so oh, he was a below average corner outfielder. Yes, right. So that's a negative seven and a half run hit in terms of positional adjustment, and then however many runs you want to add in. If you said he was a 40 or 45, that might be yeah. a Negative 10 or negative 15 he, defender. I think he had the body of a recently retired linebacker. Okay. Who retired for injury concerns and mm-hmm. uh, limited mobility. So he didn't have the peak of the linebacker, just the retirement. Yeah. Recent, so still, like, you eyeball him, you think you are just a, you're a beast. You're a thick. You would be among the first to murder if we had to eat each other. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because of all of the muscle. But, uh, I, we're afraid bullets would not pierce you. Yeah. So that's, that's murdering and eating. But not necessarily like cut is what you're trying to say. Yeah. That's so he, uh, he played for yes. the Mariners, didn't he? He's here. He was there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, corner outfielder, better yep. chance than not. Mm hmm. Um, and so, um, Jungle Kong, Kang Kong, Gong, Gong, Jung Hong Gong, uh, hit roughly, matched Eric Thames uh, this year in the KBO. Yeah, he was a little bit better, but basically the same. Okay, so basically the same. Now, if we were to assume, if one were to assume that Kong was a, a uh, the the same hitter as Eric Thames, but also a league average defender at shortstop, mm-hmm. uh, well, we would be going instead of saying as a defender you're roughly negative ten or fifteen, we're saying, well, you're plus uh, you're plus seven. Five, so you're almost 15 runs. You're more than 15 runs. You say, say you're 20 runs better. You're 20 runs better. That's two wins better. If Eric Thames was a zero WAR player, that's a league average player. Yeah. Look so, at look what look at what you get when you have a shortstop who can hit for some power. And so, uh, so we so we're so I'm guessing is that you reach a hard conclusion in your piece <laughs> that with absent with, any equivocation that the, yes right unequivocal. That the, the the Pittsburgh Pirates, who have won, who have who have won the bidding for Kong and now have to come to terms on a contract, they have they won the bidding at five million dollars. They will now have a league average shortstop. That is that almost is not, that is not Jordy Mercer. What? Okay. No. So well, Jordy Mercer might be a league average shortstop. He seems that way. But yeah. there's I think there's a few conflicting. I don't know if biases is the right word, but there's one the immediate. Uh, Subjective, I think, preference for the unknown of the foreign player. Where you, what you're looking at is any Cuban player who comes over, you think, well, he could be a superstar because you just you don't know. And with Gong, we have literally no precedent. All we have is Hyunjin Ryu, who was a pitcher in this league, who came over and was a good pitcher in in was a really, our was league. A, was a really good pitcher. A really good pitcher. And so we, what we have in Gong is what I would say is probably the best position player in all of South Korea, and I might pose North Korea, although we don't have access <laughs> we don't, to them. We don't have access, but we have. Yeah, right. We don't educated, know. They are very high on their own position players, but they do not post them for American. Educated guess. Educated guess. Educated so guess says better than anyone in North Korea. 
Yeah, and China. Uh, oh, better than a whole lot of Asia, I'm going to guess, is, uh, is Zhang Ogong. Right. And so I think he's, he's very good, and he's coming over from that league. And uh, another bias, uh, not bias, but another point of data that mm-hmm. conflicts with that one is that, okay, well, all of the baseball teams just had a shot at the bid for Zhang Ogong, and he went to Pittsburgh for five, just north and of a, $5 and million. And a number of those uh, baseball teams are... Populated, their front offices are populated by uh, intelligent people whose job it is to make, uh, to to research and um, form opinions about such things. Yes, right. the the A's second baseman right now, I think, is Eric Sogard, for an example. And they have free money; they have money to use. The Blue Jays don't have a second baseman; they're bidding on, I think, some other Japanese player. But there are there are a number of teams that should or could be good because every team thinks that it's good uh, this year. And the Pirates. Put five million. A pi- that is the team on guaranteed. Nominally, at least, uh, mm-hmm. nominally, at least have an infield, mm-hmm. and have yeah. and have you have utility players in what Sean and Rodriguez and another Sean Rodriguez, Pedro Florimon. They they both they recently picked up both of them, and one of them is actually an interesting player. And so then you have the other uh, information point being okay. Well, this being the first position player coming from Korea, you're going to see a little bit of. Uh, skepticism, some caution. Is that just true? Like just the first position player from Korea. First position player, well, from the KBO. So Hisop Choi and Shin Chu are both South Korean, except they played in the minors. They developed in American okay. systems. All right. uh, so uh, Gong is the first to come over from the KBO straight. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know what that's going to be. So I assume you're going to have teams be cautious with their millions of dollars, even though it seems like they shouldn't be. Uh, well, hey, the do you think that Neil Huntington was just like, hey, why the f*** not? I, you know, honestly, I kind of do. I kind of okay, feel okay. like, let's <laughs> throw in a nominal bid. What the f***? We got a call. Well, I shouldn't have said that, but, uh, like, they just get a call in the afternoon, like, hey, we have news. And then the Pirates were all out to lunch. Like, they didn't expect anything, but look at this. Mm-hmm. Look what they got. <laughs> and, uh, look the reason that you guys were at lunch. Yeah. One of the reasons this podcast was delayed is because I was trying to do some research on the 2000, 2001 MLB offseason, because that's the context in which Ichiro Suzuki, the best position player from, uh, from Japan, Got three years and fourteen million dollars from the Mariners as his. That first seems like almost nothing at this point. But was that it does. was that something then? Uh, my research was inconclusive because it turns out it's hard to research things from fifteen years ago, uh, like contract terms. But like that's the year Darren Dreifert signed his massive deal and like. Uh, Mike Hampton Alex- was Mike Hampton around there. Denny Nagel signed that offseason. Okay. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's there was some stupid money floating around. Obviously, the value of a win was was lower, but I think based on Fangraphs estimates, it was something like. It was a little short of $3 million for a win. So the Mariners are basically ignoring the posting fee. They were paying each for to be like a five-win player over three years, and he was like a five-win player in his first year. He won MVP Rookie of the Year. He was very good. Right. Uh, and I don't think anybody thinks Jungo Gong is as good as Ichiro, Ichiro being the best player in Japan. Japan is a better uh, playing environment than Korea. But uh, Ichiro was the best player there. Gong was uh, the best player in Korea. And you might remember, or you might not. I don't actually know. You don't uh, know that much about me. I don't, and I certainly don't know much about your relationship with baseball 15 years ago. But mm-hmm. there was a lot of talk that Itro was too small. He didn't have a swing to play in America. Mm-hmm. People were saying in spring training he'd get the bat knocked out of his hands, and then he was he was uh, he was amazing until only a few years ago. Right, and he's so still uh, he's still persistent mm-hmm. being a probably an above average corner outfielder. Defensively, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's what I meant. That's yeah. what I meant. I think she's. What is he at this point? He's like Alberto Cayaspo with the plate. Yeah, the Alberto Cayaspo is wait. Alberto Cayaspo is one of 
a number of candidates for the second base job in Atlanta. Yes, yeah, that is a bad team. In addition to, well, Kiaspa's a strange player, right? Because if you divide the hit tool... I've read you, your posts. You really did? I did. I read your posts. That's actually one of the reasons I brought him up just now. Oh, I is that right? Because you know that I've thought about Alberto Kiaspa yeah, recently? So I thought I'd throw you a subtle shout-out. I appreciate it, yeah. Well, I yeah, appreciate Ka- you. Yeah, well, yeah, that's great. But well, So Kiaspa <laughs> did... Kiaspa did... Kiaspa did Wait, I'm saying Kiaspo a lot. Um, <laughs> someone else. The Braves just. Wait, the Braves just also acquired a different uh, guy, Jace Peterson. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Who is a who's probably similar to Alberto Kiaspo. So, what if you had a Peterson Kiaspo platoon? Would that send you over the edge? Uh, I'll be honest and tell when, you why? that I do not know the handedness. I believe Jace Peterson is a left-handed batter, and I think that. Is it, I think Alberto Caspo is too. Jace Peterson bats left-handed. Alberto Caspo, on the other hand, bats on the other hand. Bats both. Both, yes. That's both. Well, can That's you have a platoon? platoon? Is it possible to have a platoon with just Alberto Caspo? Okay, would it be possible to have an offensive platoon where you start neither player? Because I think that <laughs> might be in the Braves' best interest. Maybe. What do you think? Do you think? Here's a question. Yeah. Do you think the other team? Do you think the other team would allow the Braves to bat nobody? For their second base, so it's an automatic out, but have two second basemen in the field. Oh, interesting. Huh. Interesting. You know, it's actually you bring up this point because I was thinking, well, maybe they could, they could just have someone else stroll up to the plate, and just hope the other team or the umpires don't notice. But I was going to share a uh, a personal anecdote briefly. Is it okay? Of course. I was. Uh, you know that I'm a basketball coach of a JV yes. of a JVB team. Uh, well, on our team, w- one of our big men was fouled, and mind you, most of the players on my team do not un- know the rules of basketball. Yes. Well, one guy who kind of does, uh, when the big man was fouled, he, instead of the big man, walked to the foul line uh, in full view of everyone and took the first end, the front end of a one-and-one, and hit it. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the guy who had been fouled originally because he didn't know the rules of basketball ran all the way to the other end of the court because he did not under, he didn't know about one and ones and I had mm-hmm. not explained to him because I'm a bad coach. Yeah. And uh, so they called him back and they were like, "Wait a second, you were the guy who was fouled, not the guy who just took the shot." And there was a uh, quite a bit of uh, confusion until eventually they took the point off the board and they had the uh, the original guy, the guy who was fouled, take the shot. Uh huh. Did he make it? He did, and then he ran to the other end of the court because he doesn't <laughs> understand one and ones. <laughs> so I got to talk to him about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'll forget because you're a bad coach. Yeah, I am kind of a bad coach a little bit. Yeah. Um, so there you go. But if they if they just had, I mean, I don't know. This is Atlanta. I don't necessarily know. Like if they just had, say, someone. Well, now they've traded Justin Upton away too. So I don't know who their corner outfielders are besides Evan Gaddis. Um, Nick Marquez. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, they already have Nick Marcakis. Yeah, and B.J. Upton in center, which, yeah. whoops. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, uh, let's... Uh, question for you, question for you before you move on, because yeah. I'm curious. You obviously have an affinity for unheralded, let's say, domestic prospects. Sure. But uh, international, very, well, interna- yeah. I mean, I don't care if they're okay. international. Well, okay, but generally it's... Uh, well, when I say domestic, I, I mean, like, they play in the American minor leagues. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. But so where do you fall on 
questionable, unheralded, but seemingly very talented international players like a Gong, where he's a little higher profile because he dominated his league, but he's still clearly, I would say, maybe a little underrated here. Ooh, Are you I'm, more I'm or less interested in him than you? Okay. Intrigued. I don't know if I don't know if I'm more more, but um, I could tell you that, for example, at one point I, I became uh, well not, obsessed is the absolute wrong word, but I became uh, temporarily intrigued by, I believe his name is pronounced Shinosuke Abe, mm-hmm. uh, who is a catcher for the Yomiuri Giants. Yes. And uh, at one point I was looking at some translations of stats. You know, uh, translations from the NPB and Abe's stats were like, like he translated to an above average player in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, largely it's a function of the fact that catchers with with above average offensive skills, they profile pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, In particular because catcher defense is a bit mysterious. But, uh, so yeah, I was like, well, Abe, that's interesting. And another sort of interesting player is one who, who uh, is doing, is a, Either a, a Latin American or or U.S. player who's doing quite well in the forward leagues, uh, mm-hmm. and you say, "Well, I wonder what that guy could do." Like Mal- Malro Moro Gomez. Or, yeah, yeah. Or uh, or Eric Thames. <laughs> or Eric Thames. <laughs> so, uh, would you say that you are more or less or equivalently interested in Jung Ho Gong as compared to Yasmani Tomas? Oh, Gong more, Gong more, <laughs> more Gong. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Tomas is not my favorite sort of player insofar as I think he's a bit immobile, mm-hmm. uh, and I tend to like I tend to like players who have some. I mean, if I, and I think that if if I were employed by a major league team, I would I would like players who had some defensive flexibility. Yeah, this is, well, this is what's sort of confusing to me because teams don't know where they're going to play Tomas. He doesn't seem to have much in the way of defensive. Uh, ability and his whole skill is he has really good power. He's like, I mm-hmm. guess, 70 power, they might say. Yeah. And Gong obviously can't match 70 power, but he has above average power. And instead of not having a position, he could even be a shortstop. Right. So right. It, it's baffling to me that Tomas could get four years and 60 million plus an opt out, and then Gong is, is getting, he just got a 5 million bid, and he's looking for 5 million a year as a contract, which means he's probably going to get a little less than that because he doesn't really have any leverage. Right. So, well, listen that, to this. So, it's just, this is a good question. Point, point at which that is. I I talked about this to some degree with Cameron last week, mm-hmm. but I think that was only after Kemp had joined the Padres. Mm-hmm. I do believe, I believe I'm not mistaken in saying that in the meantime, both Will Myers and certainly Justin Upton have joined the Padres in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Those are all right-handed power bats. Yes, they are. Well, the people are power hitters, and they all own bats because it's one of the big things you need for baseball. Do they own their bats? I think they yes. own their bats. Yes, absolutely. Well, they're given their, they're gifted their bats. They're in, in possession of many bats. In exchange for using the bats, and then the yeah. company will be like, "Hey, look at, that's a really yeah. good hitter. He's got our bat." Yeah. Um. So. Hey, look at. So so and and it has been, uh, it has been cited a number of times on the site for which we both write, Fangrass.com, that um, <laughs> that this right-handed power is very important, but. I would like to hear your reflections on it because I don't think I've heard them directly from uh, you, a horse's mouth. Your mouth. <laughs> your horse. My horse's you, mouth? You damn horse. <laughs> uh, so hold on. What are you asking? My thoughts on – Yeah, just what the right hell is the deal with all of the money that is being spent on right-handed power? Do you really think 
right? I know Cameron's opinion on it. He thinks it's kind of ridiculous, but he also recognizes the teams are spending on it. And when teams are mm-hmm. doing that, then you say, well, you have to say, well, maybe they know something. What, is, what are you thinking about how much money is being spent on radio power? How, uh, you know, in, in, for example, now at this point, the Padres, and, uh, of course, we've seen the Mariners have a fetish for this, and that's a t- and those are the teams with which you have the m- most, I think, personal involvement. Yeah, sure. So uh, there, I think that maybe the talk about the market dearth of right-handed power is cited more often in articles than we actually see executives talk about a lack of right-handed power. Like, I think if you read anything in that John Heyman ever writes, then in between all the typos and redundant sentences, it's going to say something about how teams might be interested in Mark Trumbull because he's got right-handed pop from a corner. I don't know. So I think it's something teams clearly are, are feeding... <coughs> excuse me. That was just a cough to buy myself more time so I could continue my thought in my own head before I said it out loud. Smart. Teams are... are <coughs> oh, there's another one. Wow, this guy needs... This guy's <laughs> thinking... Yeah, it, it should be noted, so. Mark Trumbo, uh, worth worth less than less th- worth less than negative wins last year. Yes, he was he was not good. Yeah, right. Uh, not right. because of the bat so much as because of the rest of uh, of his body. I guess. Right, right, say. right, right. And um, he's better at baseball than both of us, but uh, uh, still did not have a good season. I think teams are looking. Every team is aware of the fact that runs are down. Every team is thinking, well, there could be a few ways to go about this. We could try to have sort of like a, a speed and a running team, kind of like the Royals, and by signing Alex Rios, I think they're kind of committed to keeping that up, even though Kendrick Morales is the very opposite of that model. Right. But he replaces. But so was Billy, so was Billy Butler, right? Yeah. yeah. So Kendrick Morales just replaces Billy Butler and being right. that the fat, fat oaf. But uh, an alternative would be, okay, well, we just need to be able to maximize the swings in contact that we do make, so we kind of want some dingers. I think Dave or maybe somebody else did some analysis a year ago that, like, home runs on contact aren't actually really down, but contact is down. Contact is down. And so it feels like there's less power, but the power is still there. It's just there's less contact, and I don't think that's going to change. I think maybe these things are so difficult to isolate because they're slow trends over time, but it's like there have been more plate appearances taken by left-handed hitters, which means they're getting worse left-handed hitters, which means you have fewer of the bad right-handed hitters, which means now things might be swinging back the other way to get some more right-handed hitters. I think it's just bouncing back and forth, but I do not think that right-handed power is at an extraordinary premium. I think if it were, maybe a team would have traded for, like, Marlon Byrd by now or something, or maybe Yasmani Tomas would have signed for more money, or maybe Michael Morse would have signed for more money. I think it's something teams want, but more than anything else, teams just want power, and I think that maybe it's more rare... Like Ike Davis was was DFA'd, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, the A's picked him up, and he cost a few million. And so then you see Michael Morris get two years and and sixteen million dollars for being a right-handed version of of that kind of thing. And then you see the San Diego Padres collect a group, a triumvirate of right-handed hitters with power, despite the fact right. that it's not entirely clear what position all of them will be playing. I, I think with them, it's kind of like how I, I and, more importantly, others have talked about how the A's collected all these like flyball hitters, but I think that was just that just kind of happened mm-hmm. based on the guys that they got. I don't think the Padres got Myers, Kemp, and Upton because of their right-handed power bats. I think Kemp was available and splashy, and Upton was available, and he was they were not on his no-trade list, and Will Myers was available, and they saw their a guy they could get who is not unlike Yasmani Tomas, but this one they don't have to pay too much money. And so I think it's actually kind of a coincidence that they're all right-handed. I think it works out now, and I don't think it's a bad thing for them, but I don't think this was their intent. Yeah. 
Do you think they'll play Myers in center? I do think they'll play Myers in center, and then I think next year they'll have a different plan. <laughs> well, they will probably have a different plan. Yeah, they'll plan. have to, because Upton's gone, right? Because Upton's gone, yeah. After that. Maybe they'll yeah. put Seth Smith in center field next year. <laughs> well, the player was, well, what are they going to do with little, with little Will Venable? How many, what's his contract situation? He's a, probably costs, I'm going to guess, uh, every year of my life, I think Will Venable has been like a 31-year-old outfielder mm-hmm. who costs about $3.5 million, who's center field capable but vulnerable against left-handed pitchers. I think this has been true for as long as I've been alive. He's kind of yeah. like Kristen Norfia, uh, except the other side of the plate. The other side of the plate. Yeah. Uh, what, well, I don't know. He's, what's he's, Venable's? he's getting paid $4 million this year, or in, next year. He signed it, he avoided arbitration, it looks like. Okay. So he has a, so he is in the the last year of the withdrawal. Yeah, sure. But he, listen, Will Venable has been good different seasons. I mean, not a, not a star, but good. Right, I agree. Unfortunately, he's coming off a year in which he was not good. Yeah. And so I, well, so I think they're going to move him or I don't, you know what? I don't know what the Padres are going to do because they have like nine outfield capable players right now. And if, if I tried to predict AJ Preller, well, I don't know why I would do that. I won't try to do that, so I, I can't think of but a you know reason what? why I would. Good for Will Venable for putting together a major league career. I, I remember I saw him playing in Portland when I, he was a, was on the Beavers. Uh-huh. Portland Beavers, and uh, uh-huh. he was actually – he was literally the coach's son. Um, <laughs> or his dad was maybe the third base coach, and he was old. I think he I think he actually went to Princeton and played basketball. He did. Princeton. He went to Princeton. Yeah, he played basketball at Princeton. I think he yeah. got a late jump on his baseball career, but he was good. He's been good. He's been yeah, good. Yeah, he was, he was good, good in the minors, good in the majors, but uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe he's just going the Christinorfia path where he was pretty good and underrated, and then all of a sudden, splat, he's not good anymore, and it was a good run while it lasted, but unfortunately, he was wasted on the Padres. Yeah, but you don't think that... So Christinorfia had a bad season last year, but that's not splat. It's not splat bad. That doesn't have to be that because he's had uh, other uh, pretty good seasons. Yeah, but I think that with a player like that who's just kind of hanging on, I think no, it's probably... I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that. No, no I, I don't no. have any. Now listen, do I have a good argument against it? No, I don't. But okay. I also well, think so... Kristen Norfia went to Wheaton College in Massachusetts. That's really good. Okay, so here's the thing that, that I remember about Kristen Norfia because the Mariners traded for him, and so I, I was looking at his his numbers uh, last year. I guess yeah. he only really had a good sample with the the Padres, but last year. Uh, with the Padres, he pulled 15% of his fly balls, and the league average is 40. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, he pulled twice the rate of fly balls, and so I think that what could have been happening last year was that Norfia was kind of struggling, kind of like an Alan Craig thing, but just struggling to pull the ball with any kind of authority, and when Kristen Norfia can't pull the ball, yeah. that means Kristen Norfia doesn't have any power which means he becomes less of a functional player. Now, when he went to Seattle, he hit, pulled the ball a little bit more, but the sample's so small, I don't want to make anything of it. I, I think that Denorfia, he's fine. Like I just kind of see him as an Oriole who ends up being like a one-and-a-half win role player mm-hmm. who, because the Orioles just make that happen. I don't think he's completely toast, but if he were toast, that would not be a surprise to me. It would No, let me take that back. If Chris Denorfia were toast, that would be a surprise to me. He would be high-achieving toast, but I don't think that he is. I don't think he has much of a career. Okay. Uh, left to go. Venable, I buy a little more. I think he sort of has that athletic profile that he could he could linger, but he needs to get out of San Diego. You don't think Denorfield is athletic? I mean, they're clearly all athletic. They're more athletic than anybody in the Padres outfield now. But I think that uh, Denorfield needs to be a role player somewhere. 
and Venable needs to get away and play somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know where that is. Yeah, Venable Venable slugged 484, not 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 last year, but the year before that. 484. Yes, that's very good. It's very good as a Padre. That is crazy. He was a he was a 2020 guy, ostensibly facing almost exclusively right-handed right-handed uh, right pitchers. Uh, except that year, he actually slugged better against left-handed pitchers. Get out. 524 against lefties. Jeff, you are go you, that is crazy what you're saying to me. I'm You know what? Wait, it gets better. <laughs> he even he slugged 530 at home. And 441 on the road that year. Nothing about Will Venable in 2013 made sense. No. Everything was the opposite of what you would expect. Yeah, yeah. He even like played catcher. Like a whole year, of, whole year of opposite days. Every single month he got. No, no, that's not true. Never mind. Yeah. Forget what I almost just said to you. Yeah, I'm not, I already forgot it. That's good. I forgot it as you were saying it. Okay. You know what I meant to say, and I'm not going to write a post about it because there's just no time for it. Hey. Big ups to the New York Yankees for signing Cole Figueroa. That's all I wanted to say. I'm I just, just going to you, you talk about that. I'm going to go get a glass of water. It's a great move. Uh, I've praised other moves this offseason. For example, for acquiring Corbin Joseph, that was Atlanta. For acquiring Dean Anna, that was St. Louis. Uh, for acquiring Debinson Romero, that was... Well, I don't remember entirely. I honestly don't remember. But the, uh, but the acquisition of Cole Figueroa... Maybe he was a minor league free agent. I don't know precisely what the terms were. Signed to a minor league deal. And uh, smart move. Smart move by the Yankees. Are you there yet, Jeff? I never left. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say that. Uh, you're done, though. You're way done. You've gone more. You've gone longer than, than Dave Cameron ever ever does. We've only gone like 45 minutes. Yeah. I think I, last week we went like another half hour on this. But are we doing another one of those these this week, or are we doing picking it back up next week? Yeah, next Monday. Next Monday. All right. Or maybe Monday we'll, Monday maybe we'll have. Oh wait, but we didn't even talk about Casey McGee, who uh, who changed teams. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll keep yeah. that. We can spend as many seconds on Casey McGee as he, uh, he had home runs hit last season, which was four. Four. Uh, and he had 31 double plays. I feel like I don't know the math behind those ratios, but I think that's a bad one. I was looking for a secret, secret way to to predict offense, and. Uh, I say, well, what if you looked at? I just think guys with low strikeout rates and high home run rates—that's a pretty good profile, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, it's not really that predictive of, uh, of success. Uh, well, nuts. Yep. Yeah. If you so, do you have a, a mental image of what Case McGee looks like in your head? Yeah, a little dumpy. Yeah, a little dumpy. Now, that player last year had. A uh, 357 slugging percentage and a 355 on base percentage. What kind of, does that in any way fit what you would expect of a player simply with his uh, athletic body? <laughs> uh, well, uh, think about Casey McGee's body. Yeah. Think about it in greater detail. Continue yeah, thinking about uh, it. It's not. It's hard to detach. I see what you're getting at, Sullivan. Mm-hmm. But it's also hard to detach him being Casey McGee from him having that body. And I know that Casey, Casey McGee just has a weird profile, right? Because he was a rule yeah. five pick. He had, he had a couple of interesting seasons with Milwaukee. I know, I know he's always had it like kind of above average plate discipline numbers. Mm-hmm. So no, it's not that surprising. What do you want from me? 
Well, I just think he has a really interesting profile in that he's kind of like he came back from Japan and he's just this single sitter who is now going to the defending world champions. That's like a Sean Figgins there. profile, like the best best kid, like Sean Figgins in his best years, except without all of the stolen bases and yeah. with a, a lot of double plays. Yeah, and probably yeah. probably a little less defense. I can, is there? I can't really think of too many less inspiring. Uh, additions of starting players than being like, oh, we lost Pablo Sandoval, but we did get Casey McGee, Casey McGee. for his age 32 season. After Maybe they only go months. by body type in San Francisco. <laughs> Maybe they do. We got almost the same exact type of body for third base. <laughs> so you non-judgmental guys, kind of city. Yeah, right. So you just so we're saying when you look over there at third base, it's almost like Pablo Sandoval's there. And he's probably bilingual, right? Because he spent at least a year, if not more, in Japan. Uh, he was in Japan for <coughs> – did that work? Perfect. Yeah. Okay, one year. He was in Japan for uh, one year, and he hit uh, – well, he, he hit with an 891 OPS. He was very good in Japan. Right. What, do, you think, do you think he's probably big in Japan? I think he's big everywhere. We just discussed his body, <laughs> yeah, but so. he was teammates with Brandon Duckworth. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Jones, who's very big in Japan. Oh, the recently big in Japan. Rakuten, is this Rakuten Eagles? Rakuten, yeah. Rakuten. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey! I'm interrupting you because I want you to get off my phone. I understand. Because listen, we we started talking a little late, and that's no problem, Jeff. You were doing work, that's great. But I'm at my in-laws. I'm gonna go have some delicious food. Oh yeah. Probably a little bit more of uh, fisheye pinot grigio. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, you uh, you do that, and I'm gonna. I just found a nice sipping vodka in the in the neighborhood. There's a Bull Run Distillery just off 23rd. This a f-ing distillery. Yeah, there's a f-ing um, distillery. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, so I'm just gonna go sip some vodka and watch a hockey game. Yeah, do it. Wait, are you yeah. gonna? Do they have? Wait a second. Are you gonna go uh, procure a bottle and bring it back, or are you gonna go? No, I, I got one a couple days ago, so I just have vodka in my freezer, so I can just sip on, watch hockey game. You like vodka? I am trying to learn. Okay. No, I yeah, it's fine. I haven't done a lot of work with it. Yeah, I I haven't either. I'm trying to get better. Like, I feel like liquor is... I should let you go. Go to dinner. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's hang up now, and then we'll talk for one second. You tell me about liquor, and then we'll go. You bet. But Thank the, you, Carson. In the meantime... Merry Christmas. Bye. In the meantime, uh, let us uh, let me say thank you, Jeff Sullivan. Thank you. You say, you say oh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you, Carson. Yeah. Uh, that has been uh, Jeff Sullivan, senior editor at Fangraphs.com. Jeff Sullivan. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio.